0: Once again, it's time to blow the dust off some of our favourite games, old tech, electronics, and the occasional guests that never managed to escape themselves. Welcome to room 404. I'm Ewan Spence. Yes, this is the room that holds the land of the land that time forgot. Over here, in about half an inch of dust, there is a perfect, pristine copy of MB Games' "Go for Broke. Over here, we have the career of Fuzzbox. And over here, we have today's guest, Matthew Cashmore. Matthew, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Ewan. <laughs> Which of those things do you remember? Oh gosh, all of them, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, oh gosh, yeah, old
0: games, they're still the best, aren't they? In- indeed, yes. Uh, but we're here... We're here to reminisce about the old and to go, you know what? Sometimes the old stuff deserves to come back. Uh, Our guests enter room 404. um, uh, They mention what they do for a living just so they can use it as a tax break uh, and then try and get four of their favorite old bits of geek, tech, electronic, wizardry, cardboard, whatever, out of the room and back into the real world. And then a little bit of karmic balance. They're trying to put something from the modern world back in Hopefully so I don't notice or something. OK, got that, Matthew?
1: Got it. Right then. OK, uh, first of all, for tax reasons, what do you do for a living? I'm the uh, digital director at Hachette, who are a big publishing company. Now, Hachette, that sounds remarkably like Battle Axe. <laughs> Hachette, French company.
0: There, you know, there's an entire British sitcom in there. It's, no, it's pronounced Hachette.
1: Yes, I won't go through the jokes about uh, uh, about the name of the, the company. Wholly
0: inappropriate, Ewan. Indeed, yes. And we wouldn't like to do inappropriate things with myself and Matthew, would we?
1: I mean, that's never, never
0: happened before, has it? <laughs> no. Uh, for those of you who are keeping track, uh, Matthew and I in our times have built, um, let's see, a two-stage rocket to fly over Alexandra Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, we've uh, crashed a plane into a stage at Alexandra Palace, a, a and, scale replica of a plane. Yeah, and, and opened up the roof. Yep, yep, uh, that that was fun. Uh, we uh, we didn't uh, do anything to John Barrowman. No, nothing at all to John Barrowman. Nothing. But the Cybermen were involved at one point. Uh, yes, we did. We did have some holographic Cybermen that, that blew up my laptop. We built an entire wipeout racetrack with a French helicopter. You set fire to the stage at Imperial College, and I had to put it out. No, no, you were the one with the fire safety certificate there went you know, I think two smoke bombs and flashbangs will be suitable here. Look, there were four, all right? Let's just (laughs) leave it to that. There were four. Only two of them went off. The other two sat there going, we've not exploded yet. (laughs) And then caught fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That was fun. Uh, yeah, so Matthew and I have history of chaos, and uh, we're going to do some chaos now. As we go into room 404, four items, Matthew. Let's start with the first one. What do we have that you want to bring back again? It's the rather delightful Palm 3XE. Now, you're, you've been incredibly specific here. I mean, there's the Palm, there's the palm range, there's the Palm 3 range, but you specifically went for the XE. Why? because it was
1: my first palm it was my first real um it was my first real PDA as opposed to one of those really Nath sony contact managers things you know and it could run applications and i remember i remember when it came out because i i just turned 20 when it came out and i had my first proper big job you know i, I was at the bbc i was earning a uh, a wage um And I remember it coming out and getting stupidly excited about it and not being able to order one. You just couldn't get them in the UK. And I waited weeks for one to turn up, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then it turned up and then the couriers uh, couldn't deliver it and it turned out they were using some obscure courier that was at the other end of Leicestershire. So I drove half a day to go and get this thing. It was a real battle to get it. And it it was just, it was marvellous. It was so exciting. And then the day I got it, I uh, was plugging it into my first ever iBook, um, which was one of the, the newer designed iBooks with a polycarbonate case. And I was sitting in the living room and I was plugging it all in and getting all excited. And as I stood up, I knocked the laptop over and it fell on its corner onto the screen and smashed the screen of the Palm 3XE. It hadn't been out the box an hour.
0: <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh because we've quite a few Palm 3XEs. Huh? So, so, so are, you, are you now, let me get this right, are you asking to get your Palm 3XE back or are you asking for all Palm 3XEs to come out?
1: I'm asking for mine. I'm being entirely selfish. I want my Palm 3XE. I did actually replace the 3XE. Right. Okay. Um, so, are you want the uh, replacement or the original? but I think I'd like the original <laughs> before
0: the screen got smashed. Uh, right. Ah, right then. Okay, because I I'm going to say you can have it back with a smashed screen. That's not a problem. Um, <laughs> now, hold on, hold on. The, the Palm 3, I mean, if we look at the, the memory requirements that it has nowadays, I mean, what, this was the 2 megabyte
1: version? Or the four? Yeah, this was the 2 meg version, which was massive. Absol- well, it had, it had 8 megabytes of RAM which was just phenomenal. Sneaky 90s advertising, 8 megabits of RAM. Megabits, yes, Yes. of course, sorry. Um, But, you know, it was just, it was so exciting. It was phenomenally fast. Um, It was powered by, the thing that really appealed to me was the fact that it was powered by normal batteries. It wasn't a, um, you know, it didn't have some kind of uh, special battery that could only charge up through the device. It actually just had, um, I think it was AAA batteries. So when it ran out, you could just replace the batteries. But of course, when it did actually run out of power, you also lost everything that was on it. But um, you know, it was no, they were clever so though. They were clever
0: because <laughs> they had a capacitor in there, so you could take the batteries out for about forty seconds. Oh, if that! I don't think I ever managed to get that out of mine. Didn't you? Oh, I. I- most of the time i could manage it i mean i know like the scion had, had a separate button battery for the british side uh but the palm side of things yep it's a capacitor you know the sort of for kids kids look up it's an important electrical component <laughs> if you want to pretend to have backup capability
1: in your device but i think i think the thing that, w- that got me really excited about it the thing that i loved most was that um of course i i had my diary in there and I had all my contacts in there, and these were the days when you couldn't transfer your contacts from an old device to a new device. So my little Sony personal organizer just had everything on it. So I had to copy everything out longhand, and all of a sudden it would sync to my computer. So I had those contacts on my computer, and I had my diary on my computer. And you know it was, it was all kind of all linked together for the first time, I'd never seen that. And then the other great thing about it was there was this whole pile of accessories you could buy for it. I mean, basically, the Palm 3XE was my Barbie doll. I bought it a case, and I bought a pack of styluses, and I bought the fold-away keyboard, which, incidentally, the fold-away keyboard needs to come out with the Palm 3XE. I have still, to this day, I've not found a better portable keyboard. So if it's a Barbie, who's the Ken? (laughs) Actually, you know what? The Ken was the handspring version of the device, (laughs) which is what I bought next
0: uh yes it looks slightly better slightly bigger slightly more butch but amazingly a lot more feminine and and, <laughs> and pernickety and uh, and and ridged um which result
1: but i mean i mean this was this was this was the first device that i i was i mean i was so enamored with this device so excited with this device that i read uh, it came with a book on it um in the ebook application and it's the first time I'd ever seen an, an e-book application, and it came with Dan Brown's Digital Fortress on it. Um, so I, I always like to say that uh, I was I was into Dan Brown far before he uh, he really really made it big. But the, the truth is, I only read it because it was on the device, yeah. and I only read it because um, I could read it at night in bed, just with the backlight on, without disturbing Catherine. And that's actually what I what 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 got me excited about it. It wasn't the book at all. <laughs> It was the fact that the technology was uh, was terrifically exciting. So, so
0: essentially, you like this back because you broke the screen and it's a torch. <laughs> <Does> <laughs> a little bit more than clear? that. Yeah, okay, sorry, yeah, a little bit more. It's a torch that you could use at night with the, in, in your bed without disturbing your wife
1: yes that's basically that's entirely that's honorable yes incredibly that's... honorable
0: that it's in <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is in it's out that's it's what tight. i mean uh, but you have to keep it fantastic under the cover. i'm
1: excited i actually don't care about any of the rest now but, yeah, but that that's, my, good, that's good because my... i've that's seen the my... rest
0: of the list <laughs> but you have to keep it undercover okay You're I, i'm only allowed sure, to I'm... use it at night under the covers
1: <laughs> okay it's a deal
0: done people who oh, been the... listening to the show and know all about the nineteen eighties British Holy Wars, but
1: realize your next item is an incredibly tough sell. Oh, but this was awesome. I mean I fought pitch battles over this with my friends, but Here we go again then. <laughs> the Commodore 64.
0: Nope, it's staying in. Next, what's your third item? <laughs> No, you can't dismiss it like that. You absolutely can't. How would you like me to I mean, dismiss it? Seriously, Shakespearean, ah, uh, verily the 64, it doth protest too much and is too long <laughs> and has too many colours and you cannot use it and it stole Dizzy from us. It was faster than everything else out there. How long did it take to load Codemasters Dizzy game?
1: Okay, about six Seven tapes. minutes. Right, okay. So, but, right. And
0: it took three but... minutes on the spectrum, so the spectrum was faster. Argument number one, destroyed. No, 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 no!
1: How long did it take to load the first Batman game, which was one of the first games that came on a cartridge, and you could plug the cartridge directly into the back of the Commodore 64, and the game would load instantly. Okay, yeah, and when was that released? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the Spectrum's cartridge
0: was released in 1983 in the Interface 2. I think you find the Commodore 64 was following the
1: leader again. I think it was, what was it, 1982? The cartridges came out somewhere around there. Yes, but they maybe it was a
0: bit later. I think it was a bit later.
1: The Interface 2 got there first. Quite possibly, but I, I was... I Argument was in, 2 well, destroyed. Uh, Nineteen. Well, there we go. So I've got Wikipedia up because I'm not. I'm determined to win this one. The Commodore 64 game system, which was entirely run on cartridges, came out in 1990, and I know the cartridges were around for a good few years before that, that you could plug into the back of the 64. You're not asking
0: about the game system, you're asking about the 64.
1: Yes, well, I want the 64 because, of course, it was my first introduction to programming.
0: I'd like to have Computer A out, and I want it out because Computer B is really good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no it was marvellous the, the manual that came with the Commodore 64 apart from the fact that you could hook up the Commodore 64 to a telly which I mean alright you could do that with everything that was out at the time but I mean that was just that was incredibly exciting you hook up your computer to the TV so easily we're only just catching back up with being able to do that seamlessly now again and um, but you could the, the instruction manual that came with it came with instructions on how to write programs for it I and mean, you don't get that anymore. It, the Commodore 64 came with instructions on how to write programs for it. And it came with an example program that you had to type out yourself. There was no tape or anything. You had to type this out line by line by line by line, which was a random dice game. And um, you could just tell it. You could tell it how many sides you wanted the dice to have, and you could roll the dice, and it would be automatic. And I loved it because I could bring the pure geekery of my commodore 64 into the pure geekery of playing uh dungeons and dragons with my mates yeah you see that's great but every computer of that
0: time came with books i mean hold on the zx spectrum came with two books the came <laughs> so with we're arguing about the number of books that came with it. Well, well you know, it's like if, if you're saying that the strength of this experiment was it came with a book that taught you how to do programming, then the spectrum came with two books. One of them that taught you about programming, and one of them was called Introduction to Programming, which is the one that you would give to your dad. And so by the time <laughs> you've read the 200-page manual, he's done 20 pages and go, 10 print,
1: I'm dad. 20 look, go I to mean, 10 you only have to look at the figures for this this machine to see how successful it was i mean they um i I'm just I'm, i've got wikipedia up in front of me i'm going to quote figures at you um sold between 2 uh, 12.5 and 17 million units um which made it the best selling single personal computer model of all time <laughs> and it dominated the market with between 30 and 40% market share with 2 million units sold per year outselling the IBM PC clones, Apple Inc. computers and the Atari 8-bit family I I, I think there we go, I've just won so it sold all those units
0: it sold it outsold everything else you're saying across the world, yet it's still in room 404 and you want to bring it back. You know, the Spectrum never left. The Spectrum is still being made
1: in Russia. You know, Hey, the Commodore 64 is being made again. So why do you want it back out then? If it's because already- unfortunately it's being made with modern innards and it's not going to come with those. There's something about the charm of, um, I remember sit- we'd sit there as a family and we had uh, the Olympics game. And the Olympics game was seven tapes. And um, you'd have to make a decision that you wanted to play the game three hours in advance of playing the game, which meant it became a family. It became a family choice. So we would all sit around playing. We used to destroy the joysticks that you used to plug into it um, because we were just whacking them so hard playing this game. Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk was two tapes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And that... Stop there. Stop
0: right there. <laughs> you thought you were winning. And you've decided that as evidence you're going to use the Bruce Willis film tie-in <laughs> title Hudson Hawk. The game was tremendous. It was the first no, 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 game no, no. I you're ever using, completed. You're using Bruce Willis to justify the Commodore 64's existence. yippee ki motherfucker. No. Item three. <laughs> <laughs> I think you picked the wrong day to give up championing an old, outdated, rubbish computer system. <laughs>
1: Where are my fags? Item three. <laughs> this is another specific one, very specific. In fact, it's the Sony Ericsson T68i. Yeah,
0: now, if I remember correctly, this is the first mobile that allowed you to put a cable in to do data? Or was it,
1: was it one yeah, of the first did, data it did ones? it data. More
0: importantly, it did Bluetooth properly. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's right. This is the, the first one that did Bluetooth and data because the Ericsson triple eight. I think it was the follow up one was the first one that acted as a a
1: standalone modem that you could. Oh, what, That's the right. Polish name is and yeah. in fact you could Ethering. you could connect to this device over Bluetooth and and do a um a you could dial up a um an ISP. Yes. Actually, dial up an ISP. So there was at the time there was a a free throw a free phone ISP long since gone based in Birmingham. I can't even remember the name. But it was an 0800 number, and of course those were the days when 0800 numbers were actually free on the mobile network. Um, so I would be I, – i would, for the first time ever, I could connect with my iBook to the internet on dial-up, which was just uh, unbelievable. And it had a color screen. Um, and it played. It had. It was tri-band, so it, it worked everywhere. You know, if you travelled, I don't think I ever used the fact it was tri-band, but it was one of the first phones to be tri-band. It had an email client built into it, so you could check your email. And more important, it had. It was one of the first devices to have GPRS, so you were actually getting proper data on, on the email client. And most importantly, it
0: had a little bit of magic because it. Not only could you use a cable to tether it to your laptop. You could use infrared.
1: Oh, yeah, I I did try that once. Did you ever do that on a train (laughs) and try and line up the ports and get it to work? And every time the train moved, you lost the connection. uh, Yeah, because I remember, you know what would be
0: a great seller? Um, If somebody was to create a little fiber optic cable that had suckers at either end, that you could put over two infrared ports. (laughs) (laughs) universal link or something, you like you wouldn't need no, to worry about no. connections or plugs or anything. You just have no. everything would run off infrared and everything would run through fiber optic cables. I mean, you know, that was my big you know, I was I remember, I am not gonna
1: say how old I was but it was but great I young. mean, it was It was. I remember. It, it was. Um, I mean, bit of a camera. this room this um, Old school is allowed. a a camera. This room 404. It it had a camera and you had to buy the camera separately and it plugged in the bottom of the phone. Um, I mean, that was just, I I bought the camera. It was stupidly expensive and it took really, really bad photographs. But you could take a photograph with a camera and email it. And there was nothing else out there at the time that could do anything vaguely similar that wasn't the size of a house. Because this thing was tiny. I and mean, it was it was so tiny it just looked like a normal phone it it was so far ahead of it really was the iphone of its time i wouldn't go that
0: far because you still had you still had the 888 to come up through as well and you had did have some you know you had the handspring visor attachment to go on the top of the handspring oh come into on this
1: phone. this thing had this thing had a plug in a bluetooth controlled uh, uh, a car you could plug a little bluetooth racing car little remote control car and had a little adapter and you would plug it into the phone and yep. then you could you could move the 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 radio control car with your phone. And and remember
0: how much fun we had trying to do that at Imperial College last year yeah, over Wi-Fi with Wi Fi with an iPhone. The,
1: yes. How many years after the T sixty eight I? But this this was the great thing about the T sixty eight I. It was designed to be able to you you could build stuff on top of it. Um in and other other words, people did. Words, so you you're, you're arguing your here for an open
0: phone system where people know what's going on and can do whatever they like with it.
1: <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, you're putting words in my mouth. Oh, <laughs> go on, repeat them then. If you repeat them, for I'll let is you take that it out. I think it was the first time a phone was seen as substantially more than a, than a phone that could do... Um, it, there was nothing in there that we hadn't necessarily seen before, but the, it, it was all in one package. It was small. It was beautifully designed. They thought about the user experience. They thought about the, um, the interaction. The email support was really good. Um, you could build stuff on top of it. Uh, and then I just I remember the reason it w- was so successful in my head is because I kept it for nearly two years. And that was unheard of for me at the time. The only phone I've ever kept for that long is the iPhone. At the time, I would go through a phone every three to six months, and I would give up my telephone number every time so I could go get a new, I'd get a new contract and a, and a new upgrade. I'd spend obscene amounts of money on, on phone, but this one I kept.
0: You know, you know, I am going to let this out because it is an important phone, even though you have actually made one fundamental factual error. Oh, what's new? Uh, <laughs> the The Ericsson R three hundred and eighty came out the year before, which, if you remember, was the Ericsson that had the flip that could do That's the right. sort of PDS Yes, there, that could also do the data and the tethering and such like. But, and that was a good bone. and ran on Symbian when it was still called ER five U.
1: Yes, can yeah. I change my mind? Can I have that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can, yeah, yeah. I'll give you both. Oh, lovely! But I'll give you both if you hand your palm back in.
1: Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I'll keep the palm.
0: <laughs> keep the palm, take the T68, sacrifice the R380. There we go. Thank you. Uh, right then. But now, of course, he's away to eBay. Uh, I'll get there first. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I did buy one on eBay recently. Oh, 68? Yeah. And? Very disappointing. <laughs> Sometimes... Sometimes things should be left in room 404. Uh, but there yeah. we go. It's, it's back out again. Now, item four. Now, again, it's
1: a personal item here, isn't it? Well, I mean, this is the. This is. Uh, this goes back to when I first left university and I was presenting um, a breakfast radio show on a commercial radio station in South Wales, a little Timpod station called. Radio 3. 106.3, Bridge FM. A
0: DJ, and, voice, um, on, DJ voice again, go on, introduce Room 404 like you're a DJ.
1: <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Room 404 with Matthew Cashmore and Ewan Spence here on 106.3 Bridge FM. Hey! Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I still have, and we're going to go, I still have a load of those kind of jingles on something we'll talk about in a moment. But this was the first time that I was introduced to the Beyerdynamic DT100 headphones and these things were if you've ever seen uh, a 1980s film that has football commentators or has radio presenters they're wearing these headphones they're the big square grey gunmetal headphones although in the late years they were made out of uh, uh, plastic but um they were they were the absolute stalwart of headphones for radio studios because they cost about 100 quid um but the sound fidelity was amazing Absolutely phenomenal but most importantly they were incredibly comfortable it was like slipping your head into a rolls royce um and it was just they had s- such an amazing range for um for sound that you could hear every little every little nook every little nuance of everything that was going on which of course in commercial radio is is really not required but Instantly you would put them on and feel like a radio presenter. Now, this is a slightly naughty one because you can still buy these headphones. Yes, but this However, is my pair of Vaya hundreds. Yes. Um and I actually bought myself a pair. Now I've I've upgraded them since then. I've now got the DT two fifties, which is um pretty much the same pretty much the same, except it's got a it's got a broader fidelity range and um, and, it, the... and it doesn't look as Jerry
0: Anderson either. It's black. There's, there's, there's curves involved in the shape of the device. The two fifty just looks like a bad
1: eighties remake. Yeah, I mean, but you could go out. You could go out wearing the DT two fifties, and as people would look at you, but they wouldn't be at all. You know, they got a, the headphones are rounded. Um, so the actual the, the, the bit that sits around your ear, importantly, sits entirely over your ear. That was the great thing about these headphones is that the, the, that the actual cushioning didn't touch your ear at all. They were designed to completely encompass the entirety of your of your ear rather than just a particular part of it. And the, the 250s are rounded and the 100 is, is, is square. But you can wear them for a week. Uh, but I remember we, we were always told to buy our own. Because because they were so big, um they would spread lice. <laughs> so if you honestly, you were told to buy your own so that you didn't catch lice from the other presenters. So surely that's a health and safety and they should be buying them for you. <laughs> oh this Tim Pot commercial radio station doesn't happen. Actually didn't happen at the BBC either. All the headphones were, were shared and um But they were I remember the ones at the BBC had um when I first went to the BBC, the the DT 100s had a post office jack on the end of them.
0: Ah, rather those of you who
1: aren't listening, the post office jack
0: is ancient.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I was still using I was still using headphones with post office jacks in the last days of, of Pebble Mill on the Mark II, the BBC Mark II mixing desk. Um, which were the faders to open the, to to open the fader to play a record instead of what you would now expect to do which is which is push the fader up. up. You pull them down again. You would pull well on on the Mark II BBC mixing desk. You would pull them towards you, which is how mixing desks always
0: used to work. And of course, the great thing about the Mark II was it had springs uh, on the mixer, so if you let them go again. They would slowly start to go back up the board, fading the sound away. So, if you were to have a heart attack or die on air, then the empire would not be subjected to your death throes. It would just quietly go off into the background, and people would
1: go, "Oh, that, that that would catch you out more than uh, more than you realise as well." And they had uh, cart machines, where if you didn't, if uh, because they were they were run on tape, the jingles were run on tape. If you just slammed the cart in and, and whacked the fader open. The tape would take a moment to catch up, and it would go BBC Radio Birmingham, and we, you get in awful trouble
0: for that. Which is strange because it is an improvement on BBC Birmingham or <laughs> what, what? What do they call it? A BBC West Midlands Seven or something? BBC Radio WM. WWM. Oh, look at us. We're we're named after um, Willie Mays, the great baseball player.
1: But um, I, re- I, re- I remember my first going back to the the headphones, which is actually what I'm on time, Those that those first pay, I used to earn. Thirty pounds a show, and these headphones were uh, at the time they were about hundred and twenty pounds. I saved up. I, I at every single show, I just put the money away, uh, and I remember walking into. There were very few places you could buy the proper broadcast version of these uh, headphones from. I remember walking into a place in Cardiff, long since gone, and um, not, I, not I Cardiff. It. We have to stress, Cardiff is still there. Yes, the shopping cart. I remember walking and you had to order them. It wasn't something they kept on the shelves. You had to order them. And um, the headphones would come and you paid your £120. And then you had to pay another £20 for the cable that went from the headphones into the mixing desk. See, that's a trick that Apple learned well. Well, it was because you—it's—it's it's got the pin exactly the same as the two fifties. It's got the pin, and you would choose whether or not you wanted a post office jack, whether or not you wanted a quarter inch jack or three mil. You know, all of those, all of those different options that were there at the time. You could even buy a version of those headphones that had a microphone attached to them as well see now you're pushing it you're not getting the microphone out
0: but good headphones are the key to anything and you know even modern day you look at people and they go oh we've got the little white earbuds that come with the iphone or i'm doing podcasting and i've got my little throw no you need proper headphones i mean the one thing that lets me survive economy travel over the atlantic is having a really good pair of phones in your ear now i've got some custom built ones i've also got some great studio ones that go right around the ear as well that i have here there's some philip sennehauser ones um and, and you know i can't not let this out
1: no absolutely Sim- although because, i'm not giving
0: you my 250s to have them back out oh no i wasn't going to do that but um i i just love the idea that the bbc were, were, were so strict and then said oh yes and somebody has lice we're not going to say who so, you all have to buy your own headphones, um, <laughs> apart from Dave, who can carry it using the set that we've got in the studio already. But we're I not think seeing was Dave, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go, the Bayer headphones are right. Now, you've actually got quite a lot out here. Your karmic balance is, is almost needed, but um, could prove interesting. What are you looking to
1: put in? Well, I mean, sticking with the whole Radio 3, I just want to put mini-disc in there. Just get rid of mini-discs. Finally, please kill the things off. Now, can I just point out one problem with this?
0: Yes? You know that we're recording the show on mini-disc, don't you?
1: Oh, no. Unfortunately, we're having some technical difficulties at the moment. Doing all we can to correct the fault, and hopefully we'll get back very soon. Please stay there.
0: And we're back in the room. Uh, What were you saying there, Matthew? (laughs) Are you really recording this on a mini-disc? Yes. yes. The thing is, people go, oh, you're on Skype, you can use some great voice recorder and and things. It's like, no, I have a soundboard next to the PC. The PC takes the sound output for me and the guest and the jingle box that I have here that's running on old Windows XP laptop. And then that all comes out to a digital recorder mini-disc and and it records on the disc. uh, And then when I'm finished, I have it automatically archived in the original form and then I can move it over a USB Mm -hmm, cable mm -hmm, into a wave. mm -hmm on my mm-hmm. pc mm-hmm. it fits my workflow wonderfully <laughs> you, know, Do you know i, I, I need I, another 45 skype. hours of i've got recording. a
1: skype again i'll send you the audio <laughs> i'll email it to you immediately after the after the broadcast it's a beautiful aac h264 encoded audio oh i don't even have it encoded i've got it recording in wave well there we go i mean there's this one of the problems with mini disc is that you can record in so many different formats there's so many different versions of the technology and so many different versions of the players that if I were to give you a mini disc i 've got no i've got absolutely no confidence you're going to be able to play my mini disc this is what I was saying earlier on in the show about cartridges is all of my old jingles from when I was presenting radio um, are all on mini disc and Because they were recorded on a very special professional version of a Sony minidisc recorder in a radio station, I can't play them on anything else. My little Sony minidisc player... Uh, that my wife used to use when when she was doing vox pops and working as a, as a journalist doesn't play them my mini disc player my hi-fi doesn't play them i've got to find an old version of this particular sony minidisc recorder that was about two and a half grand at the time in order to play them back it's ludicrous
0: ah so so because of that one petty thing you want to destroy my entire podcasting career
1: No, I just think there are other technology options out there for you, Ewan, and I'd be very happy to show them to you. Uh, I don't want you to show them to me. I want you to get the BBC to buy them
0: for me. (laughs) I don't work at the BBC anymore, so that might be a bit difficult. That's like Steve Jobs. We're going to Steve Jobs going, look, here's a new iPad. And everybody going, great, just
1: give it to us. What do you mean you want us to buy it? But it was just, I mean, can you remember one of the marketing things that came out um, about the minidisc? It was, it was going to kill CDs. I mean, you're going to buy all of your music on disc. Well, that, that didn't happen. Um, and one of the things was because they were anti-skip and they were portable. So if you were, if you were running or you were out, you remember all the adverts were people running with Sony minidisc players. And they could run because unlike a CD player, it wouldn't skip. I mean, what a load of tosh.
0: Uh, I mean, certainly Minidisc is in that, 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 that gap between the end of the CD and, and the start of MP3. I mean, there's, there's quite a few bits of interesting technology in there. Um, Philips DAT is another one. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, if you thought Minidisc didn't get a hold of the population, wow, wait until you see Philips DAT. That really took off. That was as popular as Video 2000, which only ever was in schools.
1: But I mean there's a whole list of those there's a whole list of those kind of things but I mean the thing with mini disc and they're all they've all died to death because they were basically not because they were useless technology although in some cases they were but because it didn't just it just didn't capture the public imagination mini disc is an example of technology that did work and did capture a very small proportion of the population's uh, excitement and though that proportion of people were people like you and me that suddenly discovered that we could do multi track recording and we could do, do multiple recordings and it was a very very easy way to record in a, in a digital format but it's been overtaken. There's better ways of doing that now. Much better ways. That's got better audio fidelity. Much quicker. Much easier to edit. I mean, we're going to say you're not editing this on the mini disc player, are you, Ewan? Well, no. This is Room 404. We don't do any any
0: editing on Room 404. It's,
1: <laughs> it's one take. <laughs> but it's, you know the reason it's one take because you can't edit it on the blasted mini disc player. That's why.
0: All uh, right, I'm, I'm going to call you halt there for a couple of reasons. Okay. First up, no, it's not going in. <sighs> Reason one, because I still use it and I do want to keep a really funny joke going whenever anybody tries to put it in. Okay? So <laughs> so from a practical point of view, no. It can't go in because then there wouldn't be a show. And if there isn't a show, there isn't a show to put mini disc in. So it would be out. So we could do the show that would put mini disc in uh, so and, so on, and so on and so on. So you would create a paradox, yes. Secondly, and most importantly, the brief of this thing is to put in something from the modern world. You were still using it. This That's my point. So either that means that you're arguing that I am modern hip and with it.
1: Yeah, okay, you win.
0: <laughs> there we go. Right then, so Minidisc uh, stays out because it never should have been volunteered to go in in the first place. Uh, right <laughs> not not bad, actually, I have to say. Um, obviously, you're still listening to the show, so that item is uh, safely in the modern world. Joining it, um, your pair of Biodynamic headphones. And just to be nice, Dave can have his lice-infested life, pair coming out as well. <laughs> uh, the T68i is also out. The Commodore 64 is where it belongs. Oh. And, and uh, you've got your Palm 3E back out again under strict parole conditions. I'm very happy about that. There we go. Matthew, it's great to have you in Room 404. Where can, where can people find out more about you and Axe? Well, they can visit my website, which is thelondonbiker.com.
1: Even though you don't live in London. I, well, I work in London and I live slightly outside London. Hey, everybody likes to live slightly outside London most people- importantly I bike into London you see yes, the London right. biker
0: get it and, and, and I do yes I do That's, we're leaving something for the reader to discover better that they understand they, they discover <laughs> something than be told something but there we go uh, and and
1: day to day nine to five where can people find out about the work well uh, just Google a shed H-A-C-H-E double T-E and uh, take a look at the amazing ebooks and digital products that we, we produce oh, so there we go Matthew cashmore another guest in room
0: 404 leaving with a rather interesting haul of things that are you, are you quite happy with what you've got out I'm very happy be honest with you I'd have been happy with the Palm 3XE Uh, there we go there Matthew Cashmore out. just one of our many guests we'll have another guest in next week attempting to bring out old tech gadgets board games uh, books uh, and that missing Ian Fleming novel uh, that he wrote as a sequel to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang uh, that was suppressed just because it sounded like a song from the Eurovision Song Contest that Dana International would sing Uh, but for now thank you very much for listening you'll find us in iTunes and it'd be great if you could leave a review now we've actually finally Able to search for us in there as opposed to just being listed in the website as well if you comment room four oh four dot the dot com. I'm Ewan Spence. Let's close this door for another week.